Welcome to this edition of Sound Teaching. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer records for us a litany of faithful Old Testament figures to engender confidence in his readers. The conclusion of his exercise is found in chapter 12, as he writes, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews 12. Such faithful men and women serve to strengthen us in our efforts to serve God and to secure our heavenly reward. One of the most amazing aspects of their faith is that they all lived and died without receiving the promise. Note chapter 11, beginning in verse 39. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. They did not receive the promise because they lived and died before that better thing provided by God. Their time on earth predated the establishment of the Christian age. Notice that their faith did not go unrewarded. Rather, something better came along later to perfect them, along with those to whom the epistle was addressed. The purpose of this text, indeed the entirety of the Hebrew epistle, was to establish for those Jewish Christians that they had something better than what was supplied during the Mosaical age. Where Moses had given them the law, Christ had established his own law for man. Chapter 1, verse 1. Where the blood of bulls and goats was ineffectual in paying the penalty for sin, Christ offered up himself as a blood sacrifice to purchase once for all our redemption. You can read about that in chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Where the high priest, himself a sinner, entered the holiest place in the temple once a year to offer a sacrifice of atonement, Christ, as our perfect high priest, entered heaven itself, and there ever lives to make intercession on our behalf. Chapter 7, verses 11 through 28. Truly, the Christian age, with its new covenant, new worship, and greater blessings, is a blessed one, and we are fortunate to live during Christ's reign. When did the Christian age begin? Well, simply answered, in the fullness of time. As Paul wrote, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. That's Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. All other ages were preparatory to the final age, when the Father would redeem man through his Son, Jesus. Scripture also refers to this time as the last days, as in Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, where the Hebrew writer said, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Luke recorded Peter's sermon in Acts 2, where the great apostle claimed the events of the day to be a fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, and said, But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. They shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. 
The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, the Christian age is the last age upon the earth. We are living in the last days. And though the new covenant, through the new covenant, excuse me, are witnesses to the accomplished redemption of man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John three sixteen and 17. Now to set the exact time of this change from the Mosaic age to the Christian age, it is necessary to establish a point about testaments or wills. In Hebrews 9, verses 16 and 17, Scripture establishes, For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Concisely stated, the Christian age ushered in with the establishment of the new covenant of Christ did not begin until the death of our Lord. It was necessary for Jesus to fulfill the law, and having done so in his death, he abolished it. As Paul said in Colossians 2, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The abolition of the law brought the Mosaical age to an end. The ratification of the new covenant of Christ with his blood ushered in the age that carries his name. A significant event transpired a short time after our Lord's death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. On the feast day of Pentecost, the promised Spirit fell upon the apostles of our Lord. They all began to speak in tongues concerning Christ's kingdom. The historian Luke records Peter's sermon where, for the first time in the history of man, the terms for redemption and inclusion into that kingdom were revealed. Jews on that day, convinced of their guilt and putting, their death, putting to death their Messiah, cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter's answer establishes for all time the means by which we can be granted the privilege of participating in the blessings of this glorious age. He said in Acts 2, 37 and 38, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. That's Acts 2, verses 37 and 38. There are two significant points to be made as Peter's answer is examined. First, in the Christian age, the absolute forgiveness of sins is found. Where the blood of bulls and goats failed, the blood of Jesus Christ is effectual. Because of his death, God will remember our sins no more. The second significant point, all men are amenable to Christ's law and are privileged to be qualified to enter into a covenant relationship with the Savior. Notice again Peter's statement in verse 38, the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as our Lord God will call. Later, as Peter recounted the conversion of Cornelius and his household, it's written that the Jews glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Acts 11:18. Finally, how long will the Christian age endure? 
Well, it must be noted that the scripture refers to this age as the last days. Simply, there will be no other age to follow. Last of all, God sent his son, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. When Christ appears again, it will be to establish not a new age, but rather it will be the end. For as in Adam all die, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming, then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. Peter describes that event in his second epistle. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. 2 Peter 3.10 Time will end. The universe will cease to exist. All that will be left is an eternal reward for the faithful, as he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation, as the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 9.28 tells us. We're told that punishment for the lost who will be separated for eternity in outer darkness will exist, Mark 9.46, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The only thing that stands between men and the end of the Christian age is the long-suffering of God. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter 3.9. As this is so, it's important to diligently prepare for that day. As Matthew 24.44 tells us, we are to be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. No man knows when that day will come. All we can do is be ready, for it is certain. So, as Peter said in 2 Peter 3, Since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? He who testifies to these things says... Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Revelation 22:20. 20. Thanks for listening to this edition of Sound Teaching. The Sound Teaching broadcast is brought to you by the Westside Church of Christ in Fort Worth, Texas. My name is Stan Cox, and I am the evangelist for this family of Christians. For more information about our congregation or to find much more material for your private study, please visit our website at soundteaching.org. That's soundteaching.org. Until next time, we pray God's blessings upon you.